Hello and welcome to the Source Property Podcast. My name is Chris Kirkwood and I am the Franchise Director here at Sourced. Joining me today on the Source Property Podcast is Pete Blackley. Hi, Pete. Thanks, Chris. Uh, as Chris said, I'm Pete. I'm the Head of Support here at Sourced. I train and mentor the support team to ensure that they are the best trainers and mentors for our franchisees. So today, as the title says, we are going to be look at looking at how you kick off your property journey. And today, for the first time ever, the Source Property Podcast has gone visual. So not only can you listen to the Source Property Podcast when you're in your car and on your way to work, but you can also watch the Source Property Podcast in YouTube when you get to work as well. So you can see exactly who is talking to you. So if you are watching us on YouTube, welcome. Um, so what we're going to talk about today, Pete, is how people can start off their property journey, because I reckon about 40% of our franchisees um, will start off with us because they've got no experience in property and they look to us for that for that experience, for that training, for that yeah. support, for that arm round the shoulder, for that pat on the back when they've done something right and that kick up the ass when they're, when they're not moving as quickly as they could be. So this is something that we have to deal with a lot, helping many, many businesses over the last five years worth of Sourced starting off their property journey. So in your opinion, what should they be looking at? What should they be considering when they're first starting out in property? So the first thing they need to do is, is build up their knowledge base. So you're going to spend probably the first 90 days, the first three months of your property journey, whatever strategy it is you ultimately decide to focus on. Learning about those strategies, learning about your area, building up your knowledge base and building up some, some contacts. So I think this is going to be a really common question. How do they choose what to look at? Because you and I both know there's many, many different strategies in property and those different strategies have different repercussions as to what exactly you should be learning. So how do they choose what to look at first? So it really depends on what they're doing in and around property already. So what other things have you got going on? Have you got children? Have you got a full-time job? Have you got a part-time job? Have you got another business? So you could look at stuff like rent to rent that's maybe gonna be a little bit more labor intensive to start with, um, or you could go straight into doing sourcing. If you've got a part-time job, you've got other things to balance around. It's not quite as labor intensive as setting up a rent to rent portfolio. So it's really going to depend on what you're doing outside of your property journey. And that's a really easy decision to make, right? When when you're being completely objective and well, you're, you know, we've known each other for a while now. So I know that in the what three years that I've known you, I've not seen a single emotion come out of you <laughs> whatsoever. So you're a very objective person when you're looking at like property deals and stuff. But when somebody's starting their property business, Right. Not only are they going to be looking at, and I completely agree, their financial situation, their personal situation, but also, and potentially more importantly, they're also going to be looking at what they want to achieve out of property because that is going to be providing them with that motivation mm. to, you know, work from two hours from eight in the evening when the kids go to bed until 10 o'clock. That motivation is really important. So not only should they look at their financial situation and their personal situation, but also what they want to achieve. Um, once they've done that, once they've looked at what they want to achieve and maybe even written it down, I would then say that they need to create a plan. And guess what? That's exactly what we do at Sourced. So anybody new that comes into Sourced, we sit them down at the very beginning or the support person sits them down. They talk about that 12 month goal, where that, that franchisee wants to be in 12 months time, but then they create a plan. And that's because it's the right thing for, to do for anybody that starts out in property. So. What kind of thing would that plan involve? How does that plan look like from a, you know, from an actually putting it into practice kind of way? 
Yeah, so the plan, what they'll first do is, is they'll, they'll pick a strategy to focus on and we break that, that 12 months down into 90 days. So for the first 90 days, let's use the example of they're going to be looking at deal sourcing. We look at, right, you want to sell one deal by the end of the first quarter of your, your franchise business. So we break that down to a weekly basis. How many viewing should we be doing on that week? How many phone calls should we be making to estate agents? How many investors should you be speaking to? And ultimately, we've got that data and those numbers and how many um, deals that's actually going to convert to. And that's if it all marries up, right? If somebody if somebody is, is trying to start a property business and they need cash flow because they want to leave, you know, they're, they're not motivated by their full-time job and they want to leave. In fact, they've handed in their resignation. Uh, and then they come to us and they say, right, I'm, I've handed in my resignation. I'm going to put everything into property. I want to do commercial conversions. What would your feedback be to that? Yeah, my feedback straight away, and it would be quite, quite blunt, is that you've just left your full-time job. You're just about to leave it. How are you going to take care of your household? How are you going to take care of, of the bills that you've already got and you're outgoing? So you need to focus on something in the immediate term, the short to medium term, on what's going to bring you cash flow in, what's going to pay your outgoings, what's going to build you a pot of cash. Um, and that that um, feedback to you will be slightly different if you've got a little bit more of experience in property. If you've already got a cash flow in portfolio, say HMO, who's been able to buy to lets, you've got 100, 150 grand in the bank that you can plow into a commercial conversion. If you haven't got that, you're leaving your job, you're green, you're fresh into property, we're gonna focus on sourcing or we're gonna focus on rent to rent. We're gonna focus on something that's gonna help you build that short-term cash flow why are you building that knowledge? Why are you looking at the commercial conversions? And that's going to be something we're going to kick down the road for nine to 12 months. This is probably one of the most important pieces of advice that you will get, right? When you, when you first start out in property, you are starting a business. You are starting a business and as such, it should be treated like any other business. You wouldn't start, I don't know, let's take something completely off the top of my head. You wouldn't start a cleaning company, for example. And the first thing that you do on day one of starting your cleaning company is go for the biggest contract you can possibly find because you don't have the track record you don't have the resources you don't have the experience and you don't have the skill to deliver uh, on what that contract requires from you and property just like any other business is exactly the same the first thing that you do is you build your cash flow from your property business if that's needed like pete said you could be cash flowing from from a portfolio existing um, but you focus on your cash flow and you focus on making sure that that is a viable company not only in terms of the finances, but also in terms of your skill and what you're able to deliver on. And then when you've when you've built that cash flow, when you've built that experience, when you've you know you've got that sitting behind you in your property CV, at that point you can start to scale up. You can go onto bigger projects and you can deliver on those bigger projects because what you're what you're trying to achieve, you know, is absolutely it might be fantastic motivation for you because you might want to go after commercial conversions. And the point of writing this plan, as we do when we first start out with people, isn't to say no, but it's to use that as motivation and say, okay, let's, let's work out a way to get you to the point of delivering on commercial conversions and then potentially starting on cash flow with something else and gradually building up. If you can build up in a way that people can not only see, but also then they know that they can put into practice, that's great motivation for building that property business. So that's what we, we look at. We look at yep. always, always, always look at cash flow mm -hmm. first because we need to make sure that you're, you're, you're viable going forward. So let's look at cash flow then. What are the cash flow strategies, Pete? Yeah, so the first one we'll, we'll tick off and we'll look at is rent to rent. So 
most people will choose rent to rent if they're first starting in property because it's a real low barrier to entry so done correctly and done rent to rent in the way that, that we teach here at source you could get into a rent to rent deal for a couple of thousand pounds so the way you would do that is you would attract landlords to come to you so you've got landlords with problem properties say a tenant owes them 12 months in rent arrears they've just evicted them they may have just inherited a property they don't know what to do with it they're not landlords they've not got the experience or the, the knowledge that they need to be able to run a successful um buy to let business because it is a business at the end of the day as chris has said so you've got a solution to them you offer them guaranteed rent you'd build out a plan where you give where they give you a three to six month rent free period so you eliminating that barrier to entry straight away and also you wouldn't pay them a deposit so then you've just got your setup cost for the hmo let's go straight to the, the money shot of rent to rent pete how much money can you make from rent to rent on an ongoing monthly basis so yeah it depends on the region depends on on the area that you're looking at and the, the capital that you put in but you're looking at hmo you're going to make anywhere between 500 to a thousand pounds a month it's going to be similar for a rent to rent sa a little bit higher if you're in the southeast southwest central london areas or anywhere that's going to have higher demand higher clientele but you're also going to have higher setup costs so that's where it comes back to that that return on your capital employed absolutely reasonable numbers there absolutely 100 percent reasonable numbers so up to a thousand pounds per property per month you could take in from rent to rent and that is area dependent so as pete says more affluent i'd say more affluent areas not just southeast southwest london uh, but more affluent areas you could certainly make that um okay so now's a good time to actually let you know that one of the things that we're going to be doing with this podcast is is we're going to be doing series of strategies so we're going to look at rent to rent and we're going to do a series of podcasts all about rent to rent to show you in more detail how to identify them how to how to uh, calculate whether they work then how to you know how to find them in the first place then how to approach the landlords what to say to the landlords or should you be going to the landlords first is probably a good question as well and then how you fit it out and how you actually make that rent to rent work and then another series will be about lettings and how you how you can go about lettings so uh, we're going to be doing that for it's going to be coming out over a series of weeks so keep an eye out on the podcast for new releases so rent to rent absolutely agreed good cash flow and strategy you do need cash to go into rent to rent but there's a couple of creative ways that you can sort of go around that depending on how good your relationship is with your uh, with the, the the landlord tell me another one Pete yeah, so the next one, and probably the most common one that um, source franchisees do, hence the name, is deal sourcing. So that's a real low barrier to entry. So other than the knowledge and, and the skills and the tools that we will give you here at Source as a franchisee, it requires little to no capital. Yes, there's a little capital involved to get yourself a client account set up with the bank, to get yourself compliant with the ICO and everything like that, but it's minimal sums compared to investing in a, a, a ready-made hmo or building a portfolio it's a much more lower barrier to entry into the property space than, than other strategies and you can also be very quick to cash flow from that so we've had franchisees that have come to us known very little about property had very little experience and within two to three months have been cash flowing from their from their deal sourcing a couple of things to say about deal sourcing as well it is a low barrier to entry which means that most people can get into it without actually you know being that skilled at it so we at source we have a we have a, a specific way that we teach people to do it and we position ourselves and we ask our franchisees to position themselves in like the top two percent of all people out there that are deal sourcing in terms of accuracy of numbers in terms of the kind of deals that they're finding in terms of their customer service when they're talking to people and you know 
if you're not going to become part of Source, which is absolutely fine because this podcast goes out to everybody, you should be doing exactly the same. You shouldn't be looking at the bare minimum that you can do in order to list a deal, to get a deal in front of an investor. Because the chances are, if you are just doing the bare minimum, that investor isn't going to come back to you because you know your customer service hasn't been at the level that they've been they've been looking for. Let's face it, these guys are buying properties off you, so why wouldn't you treat them well? What we do is we ask people to to you know really focus on their customer care, really look after people, go over and over over and above in terms of dealing with those people. In terms of the uh, the deal sourcing as well, the way that we do it. You might have heard that you know deal sourcing is okay, but it's not a great cash flow strategy because you've got to wait for that property to sell to your investor before you get your money. Actually, the way that we teach it and the, the contracts that we give to our franchisees means that um, you can you get your money on exchange of contracts. So you don't have to wait for completion months and months and months down the line. You just have to wait for exchange of contracts. And therefore, it's a good cash flowing strategy because you identify a deal in month one because we've already told you how to do it. Uh, by the time you get to the end of month one, you identify that deal. Then by the time it goes through exchange, it's probably going to be one month or two months down the line. But then you find one deal per month and that you, then you'll always have one going through exchange every month. So again, get into the money shot. How, uh, how much money can people earn from um, deal sourcing? Yeah, so we can look at a minimum of 2%. So most of the deals that we see here at Sourced HQ, because we analyze, verify, and doubly check any of the deals before they go out on the app that the franchisees send to us. You're looking at around £5,000 per deal. Um, now, Chris has just touched on about how you can speed up the process there. Another real quick way to cash flow very quickly from deal sourcing and be paid out the same day as finding and selling a deal is to deal source rent-to-rent -rent deals. So if you're looking at rent-to-rent, -rent, you combine the two strategies there. You could either set up rent-to-rent -rent deals yourself work with a co-sourcer or work with another franchisee. Another benefit of being part of the franchise is we've got over 150 franchisees. So there's other franchisees that you can work with. They might have a deal, you might have the investors and, and marry the two up together. And if you're not that good at selling, so you might have just come on, you're absolutely great, you've got the knowledge or you've got the contacts and the skills already to be able to find and package up these deals, but you can't sell them. You can utilize Jordan who heads up our sales team here at HQ. He's got a database in the bank of investors. He's got years of experience of selling properties to investors and he can sell those deals on your behalf, which again will help you cash flow much quicker. Biggest sourcing fee you've ever heard of? Um, one of our franchisees, it was 115,000 for a multi-million pound portfolio that they sold. Not only did they get that from their investor, they also got a 1.5% fee for selling the deal from the vendor. It's a lot of money. It is a lot Just from a sourcing fee. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest one that you've ever heard of though, even outside of source? Because business does go out on outside of source. No idea? No idea. I'm sure you know, Chris. Uh, the one, uh, it's only the biggest one that I've heard of. So the biggest one I heard of was £900,000 plus VAT as a sourcing fee. And again, that was just based on 2%. That's another thing that people think of when they're, they're talking about deal sourcing. As soon as those deals get bigger, you have to reduce your fee. Four hundred and fifty million pounds uh, land sold in London. Nine hundred thousand pounds sourcing fee. Two percent. Great deal. Yeah, justifiable. Um, tell me about another. What what else can people do? So you, we've given you two options there. Rent to rent is something that you can do to work to work on your cash flow. Deal sourcing and packaging is something that you can do to to work on your cash flow. And to be honest, that's exactly. I don't know how you got into property in the first place, actually, but that's what I did. So when I first got into property, I had a pot of money. I started buying properties, and I guess what ran out of that pot of money. And now I thought, well, 
I need to I need to continue this. I really like property. I love doing this stuff. How can I continue to build my portfolio? But I don't have that big pot of money anymore. So that's when I started to really increase the education that I had in property. Learned about rent to rent. Built a rent to rent HMO portfolio. Had six rent to rent HMOs sitting, just generating cash flow for me every single month. Each one generating over a thousand pounds, which helped my cash flow. So that meant that I could exit from the other stuff that I was doing to put all of my time, effort and energy into property at that time. So, you know, we talk about this. We have so many people here at Source that have got a huge amount of experience. We come at this from a position of we've done it this way. We've done that. We've been successful. This is how we've done it. Full transparency to people. Yeah, so your, your journey starting in property is very similar to my own. So my first property deal was when I was 18 because legally I had to be 18 to, to borrow the money and, and own the property. So found the deal when I was 17 then completed just after my 18th birthday. So that was a three bed 1970s council house on Luke's Lane in Heaven, if you want to look that up. And Making a note of it now. <laughs> uh, converted that to a five bed HMO that was cash flowing nicely. I then remortgaged it, went to the bank, borrowed again and again and again and built the portfolio that way. Then got to a point where I couldn't grow the portfolio fast enough. So stumbled across rent to rent although back in 2012 before it became sexy and before the property training industry took it to what it is today it was just called subletting so i set up a subletting business as it was called back then offering landlords guaranteed rent i did what a lot of people do these days and it's a lot harder these days than it was back then knocking on the agents doors trying to get properties that have been vacant for a long time trying to build up the rent to rent portfolio that way um didn't get very far probably spent around 12 months not getting very far getting with one or two properties cash flow in mine were in the northeast so there's cash flow about 450 500 a month per property um i then went and, and bought a letting agents as you do um got rid of the dead wood all the stock that wasn't making much money off their books converted everything else into rent to rent use that to cash flow to build my portfolio that way how many times did you hear the phrase but subletting is illegal every day you'd hear subletting is illegal and it's not what do people confuse it with? Why do people think that subletting is illegal? So they, they confuse it with two things. They confuse it with um, when a tenant would take a tenancy from you. So you're a private landlord, a tenant signs an AST, and they then illegally sublet that on yep. license agreements or ASTs. And that's what they conflate it with. Because subletting is illegal in the terms of that tenancy. Yeah. And therefore subletting is not allowed because it's in the terms. But generally, if you haben't signed an agreement saying you can't sublet, subletting is legal. perfectly legal yeah yep absolutely right okay um that's two strategies rent to rent and deal sourcing so uh, another one yeah so a, a third one that is gain has got a lower barrier to entry and you can cash flow quite quickly from is lease options so there's really two main strategies that we teach here at source for the lease options so i'll touch on the first one briefly and we'll move on to the second one so the first one would be essentially where you would take the lease on the property so you would find a property you'd find a motivated vendor you'd identify preferably an area where there's been some negative growth, people are in negative equity, they need to move for the jobs, for kids to go to a better school, they, they may be emigrating, etc. Um, you would sign a, a lease agreement, a lease option agreement with them on that. That means you can buy the property for in a period later down the line, so it's typically 10, 15, 20 years down the line. And during that 20 year period, you would then pay them a lease fee each month which usually is equivalent to the mortgage if you're a good negotiator or sometimes a little bit more if they need a little bit more cash flow to say staircase and rent a higher property or get themselves the next foot 
up on the ladder so that's how you can make monthly cash flow from it another way that you can make money from lease options is getting those lease option contracts signed and then assigning to someone else and selling them on for a, a sourcing fee and that fee that you charge will be dependent on the value of the deal and how much cash flow your investor can make from that deal each month now you might not really understand because you might that might be the first time that you've ever heard of lease options um, I think the, the the really important thing that you take away from that is the, they're first of all very powerful contracts and they can um, open doors for ways that you can make money out of property we obviously have a lease options course because there are many there are two main strategies I'd agree uh, but there are many different ways and permutations that you can use them and how you use them depending on the kind of person that you're um, or the kind of situation that you're targeting for your marketing so very very powerful contracts but yes they but again coming back to the cash flow they can help your cash flow situation because you're making money from them fairly fairly quickly one of them is basically the same as the rent to rent strategy because you're renting it from the yeah, owner but you've got more security of tenure and then you've got the option to buy it at the end and then the other one is sort of mimicking the deal sourcing and packaging isn't it because you're signing somebody up on a, on that lease yeah. option but then you're assigning it for a fee to somebody else so it's sort of sourcing and packaging so but there's lots of different ways that you can use a lease options contract um, any other any other strategies that you can think of? I, I actually, the next strategy that I've that I've got in my mind is is something that is pretty much only available to source franchisees. So um, we at Source pay our franchisees a commission if they refer people to um, Source Capital. Source Capital is a peer to peer lender, and we can uh, the franchisees can refer people to, to to put money into into deals at Source Capital. Um, anything else you want to say about cash flow? You just need to make sure that it fits with your overall strategy and, and fits with your, your outgoings that you've got currently. And that there's no point in leaving your job straight away. You know, you, you could staircase down, go part-time, drop a couple of days, get a job elsewhere. Lots of people think, jump into property, I'm gonna make millions overnight. They quit the job and they want to get into it. Make sure that you build that cash flow and you build it consistently to a point where you can then step away from, from your main role because I just liken it to quite a lot of commission-only sales jobs for the first three months will have a basic salary with them. It's so that the, um, the salespeople don't get stressed out, they don't get worried about the bills because it then puts them off the game. If you're stressed out, if you're needing to close your next sale to pay your bills, investors know. They know when you're getting desperate and it really turns them off. So look after yourself first, look after those basic outgoings before you step away and jump into it full time. So out of the options that we've just given, if somebody, let's take for granted that somebody needs to look at cash flow, they need to supplement the cash flow, right? So out of the, um, out of the ones that we've listed, how would somebody go about choosing which one is the right one for them? Yeah, so first I'd say choose something that you're passionate about, something that you're interested in because investors will be able to know that you're passionate about that, that you're keen about that, vendors and landlords that you're talking to will know that you're you're more keenly interested in that and they'll be receptible to that. Second thing, as we've said before, and touched on, I'll touch on again, is it needs to fit with your overall income objectives and your overall outgoing as well. And then you'd look at your skill set, you'd look at what you're good at. So if you're not fantastic at, at doing sales, but you like finding and packaging up deals, then deal sourcing is great for you if you're part of Source Franchise because you can then use our sales team to sell those deals for you. If you want to get hands-on and your maybe your skill set is more towards the building side, you've been on the tools for the last 20 years, you're a qualified tradee, getting into the rent to rent because you can reduce the cost by doing the work yourselves, you can do the work quicker because you've not got to wait for a third party to complete it. 
but you're not tech savvy, you can't brand up these deals, you can't make them look sexy and sell them to investors, going down the rent-to-rent route may be the best. Absolutely agreed, yeah, skill set, experience, and then linking all of that to your goals. Because let's say rent-to-rent isn't your your long-term goal, but that's something that you accept that for the first 12 months of your property business you need to do in order to build up that £6,000 per month cash flow. Then make sure you understand how that path is linking you to that end goal of a commercial conversion or, or you know building a um, an estate of new build houses make sure you understand that that path is linked to, to, to maintain your motivation because if your motivation comes from that commercial conversion and not so much from rent to rent you might sort of slow down you might not give up but you might find it difficult to become motivated from day to day and it's really important that you continue because you keep on you keep consistent you keep delivering you build that rent to rent portfolio it brings you closer to those new builds that you want to do or the commercial conversion or whatever whatever your long-term plan is um one of the other things that franchisees can do here at sourced is they can sort of fast track that entire process so um do you want to tell us how yeah so one of the ways that you can fast track and get into say a large um, commercial to resi conversion a ground up development hma conversion etc is by jving with us here at source so we've had several franchisees that have come on within the first few months who've got relatively little property experience they've been on the training they've had the one-to-one mentoring for their support person they've had full day deal finding days that we run here at hq spending time with their support people they've identified deals and while they're while they're working on their cash flow they've then identified deals that are yeah, so, so they've identified pricing. the smaller deals, they've sourced those on, the ones that don't fit their metrics to make that, that immediate monthly cash flow. They then found bigger and better deals that, that hit our metrics here at Sourced HQ, and they've then JV'd with us. So if you do a JV with us, it, it can range from anywhere. We'll take between 10 to 70% of the profit, would you say, Chris, depending on the level of profit involved, what the deal is, the complexity of it, and what the franchisees are putting in. So I have some franchisees that will literally just go identify a deal, secure it, and then pass it over to us. We'll do a J, we'll JV, we'll, we'll fund it, we'll build it out, we'll either refinance it or sell the end units. And then we'll then have franchisees that will take a bigger share of the profit, but they'll identify the deal, they'll bring in their, old build, their own build team, like Jason K doing a, his deal over in Hull. Mm-hmm. Um, they will project manage it and, and stay in for the long term. Uh, and we, we look at every deal on its on its merit. So we'll look at the deal that the franchisee proposes to us and look at what they're going to bring to the table and we'll, we'll negotiate it. We'll discuss it. It's totally open conversation with them from there. Um, but the great thing about about JVing with us um, is if you if you plan to do the next 12 months on rent to rent, say, but you find a deal that is you know big that you can't deliver on, on your own, you don't have the money for it, we'll, we at Source will fund those upfront costs we'll help you put that build team in place. And you're part of that team. You're part of the team that could go there every week or however however often you can, and you're learning while you're making that profit. Now, the great thing is that then frees up your time to then, um, because we're taking care of the majority of that project, that frees your time to then focus on your cash flow again. So you're still working on your cash flow. We're staying, we're staying uh, we've got still got integrity towards that plan but then you've got, you know, you've got in 12 to 18 months, you've got that big profit margin coming in as well, which is really going to help you, you know, and again, that helps you stay motivated too. But yeah, JVing with us is something that a lot of franchisees look at in order to fast track. Um, and it's absolutely something that um, you, I think more people should do really when they're, when they're looking to, to build their, to build their um, knowledge, their experience and their, their own property portfolio. 
So what do people need to focus on, right? We've talked about cash flow, we've talked about getting into bigger deals. What do people really need to focus on in order to start their property business? Yeah, so building building your network. So Chris's tagline become our tagline here at Sourced is your network is your net worth. A bit cheesy, I know, but totally. it is true. Um, it is who you know, not not what you know. I'm not particularly bright, and I've got a massive portfolio. Um, I've built that up basically by people I know networking with different estate agents, taking them out for lunch, speaking with them at, at different events, going to landlord and investor shows like we do here at Sourced, and generally just just talking to people. I mean, I. Deal source, you don't mind me segueing for a second. Deal source to deal last week. Um, my mum literally went on a walk with my old maths teacher from school. Um, just to give you an idea, I didn't even get a C in maths. I barely turned up to the lessons. We didn't really get on. He said that he had a house over in Sunderland that he wanted to sell, the northeast my patch. Mum got his number off him. I had a bit quick call with him, introduced him to the guys that we've partnered with at, at SDL. And I'll be getting a two and a half grand sourcing fee just for a 15 minute call so it's good for you to network build your your network speak to different people but don't be afraid to use those first connections family and friends as well to do that networking with you you tell people you're in property and they're over you like a fly on poop they want to come over you and talk to you um another story i always like to tell another example is my bike was stolen so i like mountain biking i probably spend more on my bikes than than i do on my cars if you've seen the cars that i drive i've not got a great track record but I do like to spend my money on my bikes. My bike was stolen, as were a few of my, my neighbours and as we were queuing up um, to give our, our statements to the police. One of my neighbours called me, asking me what I did for a living. We'd lived next door to each other around two or three years, told him I was in property. He said, unfortunately, a couple of his relatives has passed away and he had a lot of money to play with. So after rubbing my hands together and jumping up and down with glee, we arranged to go sit down and have a coffee and I explained to him how he could invest in property and, and we've gone on to do some, some deals after What's the that. Yorkshire equivalent of jumping up and down with glee? Cracking a little smile <laughs> while you're walking your whippet with your flat cap on. Um, when and then you treat yourself to a Yorkshire tea. When it comes to your network, I, I wholeheartedly agree as well. It's so, you know, look at, you might be on Facebook, right? And you might have 300 people that you're connected with on Facebook. How many of those can you definitively say are into property? Right, probably 10, right? You could you could probably say that 10 of those people, you, you could either vouch for that they are interested in property or they're not interested in property. Those other 290, you probably don't know because they don't share everything in their lives with you. Mm -hmm. So that person that you used to play, you've played football with for the last five years that's in your friends list on Facebook, as soon as you start to post about, about property, they'll then chirp up the next time that you play football and say, oh, so you do property stuff. I've got some buy to let's, what, are you, what is it you're doing? And you'll start the conversation from there. Potentially there's a way that you could work together or even some distant relative, you know, just by getting out there, by telling people that you're in property, it generates opportunity for you, especially with that existing friend list, because they already know you. They know you and they probably, well, depending on your relationship with them, they probably trust you. So they'd be happy to send something across to you or, you know, at least open, open up to a, a, an opportunity for you. Again, that's one of the ways that I started to build my my business because people started coming to me as the person that could give them solutions for uh, for problems that they had in property. And going to networking events as well is a great thing. So not just property th um, um, networking events either. So a lot of people think, right, I'm getting into property. I need to be out there doing the sin events, pin events, whatever it may be, going to these property trade fairs. But you might find that yes, you can get some success there, but you'll get more success going to the non-property stuff. So 
Shoppy, one of our support team members, he covers like the London and the South region. Um, every other week he goes to a knitting event. He's, you know, in his early 20s, everyone else is there is probably 60, 70, 80. They see this young lad getting into knitting, they ask him about what he's doing and he's got some um, JV investment off the back of that. Personally myself, I like enjoying joining loads of different groups and networking with different people. I mean, I personally think Chris would make a great scout leader. So whatever it is that you join, <laughs> you potentially get some investors, get some um, deals done that way. I used to do that, you know. Emphasis on used to. <laughs> I'm not on any lists. I used to do that. Uh, I forgot to say, it's a good job, isn't it, that our um, that we've got a deal calculator that we give out to all of our franchisees if you only achieve to see in maths. I mean, yeah. good news. For, is that why you joined? Is that why you became... Part it is, yeah. I also ticks on the box on my job application that I was proficient in Excel, but I'd never used a Windows computer before. Wow, me? wow. Okay. Um, okay. All right then. So let's look at let's look at the bullet points. Let's put together some some you know short takeaways so that you know exactly what we're recommending for you to do because Pete's waffled on for ages. So thanks. Um, bullet points that we have. First of all, cash flow and treating your business as a business. So we'll do these these bullet points. I'll do one, you do one, okay, just so you feel involved. So treat your treat your property business as a business. It's unbelievably important that you set yourself up to succeed. Whereas if you set yourself up and you're only going after that one big deal because you've read that book of a million pound profit in my first property deal, you know, that book exists, unfortunately, uh, because most people can't do that, right? that person's situation was right for them to achieve that, but yours might not be. So let's look at your situation. Let's look at the way that you do things and let's come up with a way that you can sustainably have this property business chugging away, churning away, creating cash flow while you're building yourself up, no pun intended, for that big deal. Yep, so then the next thing you need to focus on is your activity. So getting out there other people in this property training industry will call it hustling they'll call it grinding they'll go, go out there and, and network but essentially you need to do it you need to be out there boots on the ground talking to estate agents talking to letting agents going to these networking events just going out there and creating that activity you'll see much more better results and much quicker results than just sitting at home on your laptop and when it when you come to activity you've made a really good you've said one of the things that they should be doing which is really important, going out and talking to estate agents. And a lot of people can't do that by just walking into an estate agent. I'm one of them, right? But I understand how important it is to talk to estate agents. So I set my process up to make it easier for me to go and do that. So instead of just you know, coming to a high street and walking into each estate agent one by one, what I would do is I'd prepare for that time. I would prepare a property that each one of those estate agents was listing that I was interested in for buy to let, for converting, for making into flats, for whatever. But I'd have something to talk about to that estate agent. And that facilitated the conversation for, for me because the estate agent's more interested in me because they can see that I put in the time and effort. And when we're talking about that property, I'm, I'm proving my worth to them. I'm showing them the sort of creative way that I've looked at it, or I'm showing them the numbers that I've put together and that I know what I'm talking about. So that after that first time of talking to them, they're more inclined to pick up the phone to me or to go out for a coffee or whatever it is. But that's the way that I used to do it. 
um, because just walking into an estate agent and saying, hi, I'm an investor, let's talk about property. I always felt a little bit uncomfortable doing because it was you know, totally up to that. They have hundreds of those people contact them every week as well. And I wanted to differentiate myself. So I showed them what I was th looking at, what I was thinking about and how I was doing it. Did you also bring in a sweet treat for them? Not the first time. They had to earn that. They had to earn it. Yeah, they had to earn it. So if after the first time that we, you know, there was the potential for doing business together, yeah, donuts, 100% donuts, yeah. Because I like donuts. Yeah. Some people did then ask, oh, do, can you not bring in donuts? Can you bring in something else? Oh, we, we, we really like, I don't know, the vegan muffins. Yeah, the gluten-free, vegan, fun-free <laughs> nonsense. So like, I'd go and get that. They'd, you know, I probably wouldn't eat any of them. I'd probably still get myself a donut. Um, bullet point number three consistency now you need to focus your consistency based on expectations that you have for your consistency now what I mean by that is most people will say I'm gonna go into estate agents three times a week and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and after a month of doing that they've got no result from it right because what they're focusing their consistency on is the result and that is the wrong thing to look at because We've got one franchisee, Sandra, who um, went into an estate agent, I think it was for four months. And then in month number five, that estate agent gave her a deal. And that deal ended up being the first property that she funded through Sourced as a, as yeah. a flip project, which she made a lot of money out of. And it's really important that you focus your attention of consistency on the consistency itself. So if you say, my version of success, my level of, of success, my understanding of success is doing this three times a week and if you do it three times a week give yourself a pat on the back don't look for the result yet just give yourself a pat on the back because you've done it three times a week and if you continue to do that to do that over a series of months you will get the result because that consistency is going to make you stand out from the crowd because most people will do it once twice maybe three times but not consistently and therefore estate agents will remember you uh, you're approving yourself to them and you will get more deals out of people. Yeah, and I literally just closed a deal this morning, again, back in Hebben, not too far from the Luke's Lane estate, not that you need to know. Um, it was a property that was listed in January. It was a repossession. It fell through. I made a low bar offer on it. It was rejected. It's since fallen through another three times because I've consistently phoned the agents every two weeks to see how's the sale progressing. I've noticed your public notice has now come off. There's another buyer on they've come back to me and my offer is significantly lower. And it's that consistency of the no Pete will be there as a cash buyer to come and complete this property really quickly because I call them every two weeks and tell them I'm a cash buyer and I can complete really quickly. So you, this time when it fell through, they've come back to me. Do you find that most estate agents give you the properties just to stop you talking to them? They do, yeah. Mm -hmm. They just get sick of me and they're just like, yeah, we'll just tie this deal up with the vendor just to get rid of Pete Blackley because we hate him. It's clearly a strategy that works for you, so congratulations. It is. I'm surprised I kept my job so long. Um, and lastly, the last bullet point, Pete. Network. Very good. Good reading. Yeah. <laughs> also got a D in English. <laughs> Hence why I'm in property. <laughs> So yeah, just to summarise, it's vitally important to build up your network. Use those first connections first, family and friends, their family and friends as well, to help you build your, your portfolio, help you build your property business overall. And then look to network and build by talking to estate agents, speaking to investors when they inquire. So we always say here, call an investor within 24 hours when they inquire. You qualify them, add them to that, that, that database there. 
join lots of different groups, go to different things. You might enjoy walking, you might like scouts, whatever it may be, and get those investors that way. Or knitting. Or knitting, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks very much, Pete. Really appreciate your input today. Thank you very much for everything that you knew about starting up a property business. So thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, okay, so thanks very much for listening to the podcast today. Really appreciate you, um, you know, allowing us to talk to you for the last uh, 20, 25 minutes. Um, I hope you can take away some of the advice and push yourself to get started in property. If, if that's something that we can help you out with, please get in touch. Our website address is www.sourcedfranchise.co. Um, some of the other stuff that we're going to do for you, uh, we'll put the link to our YouTube channel in the show notes so you can have a look at our YouTube channel. If you are interested in uh, coming on board with Sourced or just having a look at what Sourced have to offer, we're actually going to be running a franchisee discovery day at the end of October. So um, that's going to be based in London. You're going to get to meet me. I think you're going to be there as well. And Shoppy's going to be there from yeah, support team. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. So you'll get to meet the support team as well. And we're putting together quite an exciting um, property viewing for you on that day. So uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you for listening to the podcast today, guys. I hope you can take away some of this advice and push yourselves to get started in property. Remember, Source Franchise is here to help you. We are the first and only franchise of our kind, and we are much more than a training course. We are right behind you, supporting you with knowledge and property leads, and we can even offer funding through our partner Source Capital. To find out more, send us an email or download our prospectus at source.co.